Sweet. All right. Well, when I hit record, I can feel like perfect. Extra little spice get into my headset. Just like the electrons jump up a little bit. I. It's funny. Every time I hit record, I worry that my computer's gonna crash. Um. <laughs> oh yeah. You've been. Uh, you've gone through some shit. I. It's and it just recently did that to me. Uh, the other day, where I was playing Valorant and. I stopped recording because I was so upset with the gameplay that I was playing that I was just like, I'm done. Oh. I'm not going to record this anymore. And I stopped it and it crashed my computer. And I was like, oh, are you your, your streaming computer or your computer computer? My streaming computer. Can uh, you just get a new one? I don't, I don't understand. How does that happen when you just got a new one? Boone, if I could tell you why my computer was crashing, <laughs> I would be able to solve all of the world's problems. But I can't. <laughs> so I, I, I reformatted the thing twice. I uh, have installed all the drivers. I, I updated the fucking uh, BIOS. I did everything. And it's still crashing. It's because you so. got all that China spyware malware crawling through your computer, stealing all your democratic data and shipping it on off to communist wasteland China. Yeah. That's what's, what's going on right there. Bruce. Between TikTok and Valorant, I'm, I think China has all of my data <laughs> at this point. So, uh, Hell yeah. yeah it's, uh, they, they, they just have it. And I don't even care anymore. <laughs> So whatever, just consider me a Chinese citizen. <laughs> Yo, is it actually true that Google like steals information from you via your voice? Because when I talk about things, it comes up in my YouTube feed now. Even if yeah. I didn't look up anything to do with it or any anything at all, and I get like one piece lore videos now. That's all I get, and I don't watch one piece. I just only get those now in my recommended feed because I said one piece once. <laughs> Lawrence, educate where educate Boone on this because Lawrence is really Lawrence knows a, a lot about this. Uh, well, mostly what I have is supposition, but I think when that kind of thing happens, and this is kind of a scary thing, it's that uh, big data has figured you out to the point where it knows what you're going to do before you do it. <laughs> so it knows I'm a loser that's going to watch all of One Piece? Yeah, <laughs> same. I mean, it depends. You, did you write it in an email? Like, how did, what did, you, how did you say it? What did you say it to? I, I said on stream. That's it. And now uh -oh. every day my feed is just that. Wait, wait, what does that mean? What does uh oh mean? What do you mean by uh oh? Well, I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, if you said it on Twitch, like that shouldn't be connected to Google unless somebody, maybe people are Googling your name plus One Piece now or something what? like that. Well, was your phone <laughs> was your phone near you when you're yeah, talking? Because your phone, phone was, hears, your phone, phone hears everything. Me. Yeah, your phone hears everything. And uh, why did you say it in the first place? I don't know. I was streaming. I just had to talk about random stuff. <laughs> that well, yeah, but the idea may have been planted in your head when you were surfing the internet earlier, and you may have clicked on something that you forgot about that told Google that you were interested mm -hmm, in One Piece, mm -hmm. and then you talked about it, and then Google's serving you a lot of One Piece shit. It filled out my entire algorithm with just One Piece, and then, like, <laughs> how to feed bats videos. I don't know. Wait, were you, were no you talking about the uh, Wuhan virus when somebody ate a bat? No, 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 no. No, just how to feed your bat. That's it. I don't know why. That's all I get. Also, dog videos now. I feel like some I, sort of weird Facebook grandma. That likes think, One Piece. Oh, on Facebook? Okay. What, what no, I no, 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 it's on YouTube. I'm just saying oh, okay. all my feeds like the um, the Dodo stuff and then like One Piece stuff. And I have no idea why. It's What's, nothing that I'd want to watch. Well, I yeah. The, I mean, I, I would guess in that circumstance. And, and I love like, I love spinning mystic yarns about a big, big al algorithms. But I would guess that for 95% of people, once they start getting served One Piece content, they watch a shitload of it. So it's probably just the algorithm identifying that One Piece content is really sticky and a lot of people click on it. So if there's any in to get you into being One Piece viewer, they definitely want to do that because their data tells them 
The people who like One Piece watch endless YouTube videos talking about One Piece. Yep. Yep. Uh, I I agree. Well, hey, oh, but, oh, by the way, welcome to Talk to the Internet. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I, was, I was about to jump in sorry. there with the yeah, intro. Welcome, welcome to Talk to the Internet. This is uh, obviously Lawrence, who you know and love. And then this is Boone. Boone's filling in for uh, for Kraken. Uh, Kraken is away. He has he has a bunch of meetings right now. So this is uh, this is Boone. Our our good friend Boone is filling in. Boone, uh, what do you do on the internet, Boone? Uh, talk for hours on end and stream and uh, ruin the openings of podcasts by <laughs> no, you didn't ruin no, it by stealing them. Not at all. Any injection of anime into this podcast only makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bruce doesn't even watch anime. He does. What are you talking I, about? I literally constantly watch. I I finished Kill a Kill last night. Just so you know, I I what? Um, yeah, I fin- I, it's because it's only one. Was it? What? It's only one season, or at least all, it is on Netflix. Um, so I finished it on Netflix. Uh, is there more than just the twenty four episodes of Kill a Kill? I think that's just it. That's just that's it, it, right? That's that's all. Man, uh, Bruce, you're doing that. I'm like I'm grinding through the AFI Top One Hundred, which oh. is about as good as anime. I'm gonna it, be honest. Uh, well, which ones have you seen so There's far? There's some. Bad movies in there. Um, let's see here. I saw the jazz singer, which wasn't great. Singing in the rain was incredible. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like alternating. Like a lot of the AFI top 100 is movies that did a thing first, but definitely didn't do it best. So it just seems like a lot of like wistful old movies. Um, I watched some like it hot, and that movie is not good. Whoa, I'm still thinking about how bad I didn't, how much I didn't like that movie. Wait, which movie? Some um, like it hot? It's. Yeah. I think it's really boring, right? It's just not funny. It's it. They keep leaning into the same joke over and over, which may have may have played in the fifties of like they're men, but they're dressed like women, and oh, like Marilyn boy. Monroe yeah. is cute and hot, but boy, uh, Jack Lemmon is not funny, and he's like the funny one, paired with the curmudgeonly sidekick who's also dressed like a woman, who's like always being like, "We can't do that, Jack Lemmon," and he's like, "Why don't we?" <laughs> and it's it's like there's never a joke. It's just. I don't know. Sorry if you like that movie. I feel like I have to walk it back a little bit. No, but no. That movie sucks bu- Sucks balls. Uh, uh, but I watched Chain- Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time, which is not on the AFI Top 100, but the, man, it's good. The original is supposed That's to be good, right? Movie. Yeah, I've never seen the remake. Maybe I should. AFI. But uh, that was actually awesome because it was one of the movies that did a lot of things first, but also did them really, really good. So... Sorry, I'm I'm kind of taking things over here. No, uh, no, no. I, what what is what it, no, 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 no. What is the AFI's top 100? I've never heard of that before. It's just like a it's a bunch of boomer movies. It's, it's, um, I think was it the American Film Institute's top 100. Is that right? Yeah. Is that right? So basically, it's like it's Boone. It's the top 100 best films of all time according to the AFI, and a lot of people would subscribe to that. That it, that AFI is correct about their top 100. I, again, not ev- not everybody would, but a lot of... Criterion's list is a little better, I would say. Oh, okay. There. All right. All right. There's my bold pick. Uh, Although, I don't know if they have a list. I don't even know what the Criterion collection is. I think they just make, like, really minimal covers for movies that are pretty good. The the AFI Top 100 is a lot like um, Twitch telling me which animes to watch. Because, like, I watched all of JoJo <laughs> and it's JoJo. trash. It's just JoJo. Yeah. Well, no, I watched Kill a Kill, and Kill a Kill is like, eh, eh, it's not great. It's Parts of it are really cool. Parts of it are really cool, but boy, is it not great. Like, like, uh, and then I watched My Hero, and I was blown away, and I loved it, and I, I wanted to watch every single episode over and over and over. So it's just like the AFI stuff on <laughs> uh, Twitch and the AFI, the same thing, in my opinion. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, the what, I think the adjustment it takes with the anime is that, like, the same ratio applies in that 95% of it is trash. Uh, yeah. And even the things that people, 
like people really like to oversell anime, which is tough because somebody will tell you it's the greatest show ever and it meant so much to them and it shaped who they were. And then you get into it and it's like a 13 year old screaming and punching a rock for 20 minutes. <laughs> and you're like, all right, I get how at a certain age at a certain time that may have blown you away. Um, so, I, I mean, I have those shows too. I don't know what, that's that's an interesting question to pass around the room. What's what's like media trash that you thought was so profound when you were younger? Yeah, Boone, what, I'm gonna hear your answer. Oh, like, God. What's, what's something I... you what's something you went back and watched and went, oh shit, this is bad. I watched my <laughs> one of my first animes was Tenshi Muyo, Ooh. and I I thought it was fucking amazing. I thought it was great, and then I went back to it like recently. I couldn't even get through one episode. I couldn't even stand it anymore. <laughs> Same with I even watched Inuyasha as a kid. I'm like, oh, this show's this show's good as hell. No, no, it's not. <laughs> like any anime I thought was good 25 years ago is is now trash. It's it's bad. But um, a lot of people stand by that. Nostalgia is a, a bitch, you know. It is. Like um, a lot of people like Evangelion to this day. Like a lot. It's a great anime. It's got a good. Oh god, I'm gonna start some fires here. Yeah, here we go. Oh, we can't be talking yeah. about cartoons like this. Um. <laughs> I just don't think that anime holds up well either. There's so many uh, it doesn't. better animes now no. that do the same thing but better. But a lot, but you can't discredit it because it did start the... It gave foundation to all the other animes. It's just people are kind of full of themselves when it comes down to it, I think. But um, I, have a, I got a real spicy take. Uh, I agree with you completely, Boone. I think that... I think that sometimes people's metrics are off because if all you do is consume trash, then if something is just a mark above trash, by the boundaries you've set up in your head, it's incredible. But uh, yeah, sometimes it requires sort of blowing the doors off of somebody's concept of what media can be and what art can say and how it can move you. Uh, or even more importantly, I think the depth of human experience that it can touch on, as opposed to mm. like shows that largely, a lot of anime largely deals with Problems that are within the scope of like a preteen or a teenager of like there's a bad guy and I have to fight him uh, Or I have these problems that I have to overcome nothing. That's really like I wouldn't say super nuanced or Deals with some of the more quirky and, and strange parts of the human experience some do which is really cool But they're very rare again the ratio. Well, you were you were the ratio of good to shit You just described what nostalgia is which is like when you're 13 you, ha hmm. you don't have the depth of human experience so when you watch it and you're like, oh, like this makes so much sense because it co only covers the three things that yeah. you know <laughs> versus when you turn 25 or 30 and you're like, oh, holy shit, I've got a, basically a whole nother life under my belt. And then you and then you watch <laughs> something and go like, oh, this this actually covers all of the experience that I've had versus just the half. And and that's not to say that like some of that like uh, Ava's great for a 14 year old to watch because it, oh, it is. because it does cover the things that they know. Um, which is really cool. That's that's really neat. Um, I, I still think the the mark of of, I guess, good films that cover emotional depth all, like all the way across your life, whether or not you're a kid or an adult, it's Pixar. For the most part, most Pixar movies do that really, really well. Um, hmm. They they can they can touch on you if you're a child. Don't say that. I'm not gonna say that again. They or they can they can <laughs> they can do that if you're an adult. Um, <laughs> so it, you feel the emotional depth whether or not you're an adult or a kid, and it, and, it, and it works really well. Most Pixar movies, not all, but most. I don't know. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um, speaking of nostalgia, we've had a pretty nostalgic weekend, or at least some of us have, because I'm still I'm still living in Midgar with my beautiful anime wife. <laughs> um, man, Final Fantasy VII remake has has taken me. It's, it's taken me away. It's, I haven't finished it yet. I've, I'm aware. People have warned me. The ending is going to make me angry, and the game has already made me angry a couple of times. Boone, have you so, have you played it yet, Boone? I'm concerned. I, 
Okay, so I was going to play it on stream, and my capture card's broken, and I tried to do, like, remote play and get it to work so I could stream it. And I've, I haven't played a single-player game off stream or with a group of people streaming since, I don't know, like, two years. So I tried to play it by myself, and I couldn't do it, because the whole time all I could think about was, man, I could be streaming this. This is great. I want to stream this so bad. And... um I can't. I can't do it. I, I physically can't do it without streaming it. It bugs me. It bugs me to no end. It, it's so good. It's actually everything I expected to be and more. But um, yeah, I don't know what to do. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Do you are you unable to just enjoy things in the vacuum of your own brain anymore? Do you? No, I need chat there. I need chat there <laughs> to enjoy it with me. Like I physically can't enjoy it without like them there. Otherwise, I can only think about me doing it on stream. Otherwise, I feel like I'm wasting uh -huh. my time. But um, I don't know how to. I don't know how they're going to do the rest of that game. Like because obviously they're doing it in parts, right? So are they going to just have one extra part after this one? Or are they going to participate, uh, partition it in four other parts? That's a that's a really fascinating question. Um, it's that I got I have like a whole theory banked up around the way that they've executed the remake, and it kind of leans into what the hell, where the hell they go from here. Which is mainly that, and I know that this isn't, this isn't the case with everybody, but I would wager most people probably most strongly identify with the beginning sequence of Final Fantasy VII, just the Midgar part, because it really does sort of change tone and flavor once you leave that city. It ceases to be sort of science fiction, like steampunk, diesel punk shit, and just goes more straight fantasy, because mm. uh, you go into yeah. more like provincial towns. That's kind of the idea of the whole game, is that it actually is a fantasy game. There's just one city that happened to discover this thing that really pushed them forward technologically. Um, so I don't know that people really strongly think about, like, like uh, other cities. I'm trying to think of some, like Fort Condor. People remember the Golden Saucer, I would say, but... So the remake just focused on the elements of Seven that most people really identify with the game, which is, like, cool future tech, giant sword, anime as hell, pretty anime girls that hang around you for no reason. <laughs> um, so, I don't know, I haven't seen the ending yet. Yeah, Cosmo Canyon is another big, big kind of identifiable moment in that game. It makes sense to me then that they would, like, make a whole game around the most identifiable part of Seven. And I thought, what I hoped, and I haven't seen the ending yet, so I don't know, but I hoped that they would put in the tools, the narrative tools they need, to branch the game off and... Find make a way to make some thing. new stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because if they if they have to stick to the beats of seven after you leave Midgar, there's going to be it's some weird the stuff. Kind of, yeah. And, and the world has to open up too after Midgar. So I don't know how they're going to handle that. If they're going to do the whole uh, what's it, 14's approach with uh, pushing a car around for eight hours straight, or if they're going to go straight for like a more linear approach like they did with this one. Like I don't know where they're going, but. And seven was a pretty linear game too. It doesn't feel like it because they let you run around in an open world occasionally, but there's really only one thing to do each time they push you into the open world. The only time you ever actually have a choice is when you actually get the airship, and that's well into the game. Um, which is it's just kind of interesting to see see those illusions sort of fall down because seven and seven remake is pretty rigidly linear too, just like the original, except for some arenas where they let you do like side quests optionally, which is shockingly more open than Seven used to be. So yeah, uh, I don't know. I could see them continuing to do it in that way. Maybe just not even having a world map, just having you go through areas and then having cutscenes of travel or something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, aren't you, so, you yeah. really have like what, five hours left. So I mean, haven't you experienced most, <laughs> most of that, right? Like for the, uh, for the game, you only have five hours left for the, at least the first part of this. 
Is that correct? You know, Bruce, it's funny you say that because every time I've tried to gauge how much I have left, oh, no. everyone who's beaten the game always says five hours. Oh, got it. Okay. No matter how far away I am. People told me I was five hours away and I played for 12 hours yesterday. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then at the end, they said I was two hours away. So, I don't know. To be fair, part of that was me uh, doing every like side piece of content oh, that yeah. I didn't need to do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've learned that people are really bad at gauging the runtime of a game and also not super hot at gauging like audiovisual delay. <laughs> uh, that's just an AV tech thing, I guess. So yeah, I'm close. I'll probably finish it up right after this podcast, but man, am I excited yeah. to uh, see what they do. And I'm also a little bit scared so, because I know the way that they write narratives and it, it hurts sometimes. So you've got a total of what, 25, 30 hours? How many hours total? No, I'm over 40 at this oh point. Oh my gosh. Wow, really? What? Holy shit, dude. I mean, to be fair, I tried to do everything side stuff, and then I also bit off some boss fights earlier than I needed to, mm. so those kind of hung me up a little so bit. So, you think there'd but, be like 50, 60 hours of content worth of gameplay in it? Yeah, especially if you... So, when you beat the game, it unlocks hard mode, and that takes... Or, that kind of really changes the game entirely, because... And, and I'm leaning on chat here for the explanation, but... Um, like, you, you don't get to use any items on hard mode. And like all the enemies are way way harder, so then it becomes a, a like a game about managing magic usage and resources, because you only get like you have to go from bench to bench basically, beating every fight without the ability to get magic back. So I'm excited to get into that too. And if if that is part of the runtime of the game, then there's there's way more than 50 hours of gameplay there if you're the kind of person to like it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's really fascinating the way that they've reinterpreted the game. For me, I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm scared of of. Nomura's old tricks in regards to storytelling. It's gonna. I know it's gonna get Kingdom Heartsy at the end, and I, I I'm scared. Oh. I it's it's been so coming at this from a person who's never never read anything about the narrative, never touched the narrative, never touched the game. I'm loving it. I'm like, I'm so into it, and the narrative has been so good for me so far. And I'm only ten hours in, so uh, I've really enjoyed it. Like I, I, it makes total sense to me. It it it. Uh, does a really good job of relating to things that ha have happened in our time so I can relate it to real life and be like, oh yeah, I get this. Like I understand kind of what the concept of this is and wh how, what the context of it is versus Kingdom Hearts, which makes no fucking sense. Um, <laughs> because like, I mean, like to be fair, I dropped into Kingdom Hearts 3 and th oh, that, boy. that doesn't that doesn't make a lick of sense at all. You, you know what's, what's sad is even if you played 1, 2, and 3, there's like other games that have come out that are sometimes only released in Japan. Like there's a whole web browser game that they released yeah. that covers like a bridge between 2.5 or whatever to 3. And it's now offline forever. And it never like got localized in English. So no one will ever know about any of that storyline unless you're from Japan. So hmm. there's just this huge gap between then and there. And I don't understand. I don't think there is anything to understand. I don't know how they... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they made some love for so long. Well, Final Fantasy, there's a ton, and I and I'm like it really. I really like it. Uh, it it makes a lot of sense, other than the fact that Cloud is not attracted to really really attractive women, um, or maybe that <laughs> does make sense. Uh, if, but I don't know Cloud's background, <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Uh, but but to me, that it's it's still daunting to think that there's 30 hours of this game, and then how many more parts are they going to release? Two. Three? Do we know, Lawrence? Two or three. Is it two? I mean, I think if if you look at the way King, they've rolled out Kingdom Hearts, one million. Um, and they'll have little story beats in each of them that you'll need. to Like, 
what what worries me about the construct of the narrative in Seven is that they seem to be doing that thing that works really well and some people really enjoy, where they construct a narrative but punch intentional holes in it mm. with the implication that they'll fill those holes later. Yes, yeah. And then every time they do, they do with even more holes, which is the Kingdom Hearts that's, that's lost. method. Lost did that. Yes, lost did it yeah, too. Yeah. And actually, this is this is something I've been I've been swirling around in my brain a lot. Uh, and and it's Bruce. It's it's really interesting to hear your commentary on the game because yeah, seven, the remake at least delves way into the more relatable parts of the narrative, like being an eco terrorist, mm -hmm. um, trying to do what you think is right, even though you know it's going to hurt people that may be innocent or at least complicit in something that you think is wrong. Like uh, there's a lot of cool narrative fodder there that the the remake delves way into more than the the, the original. Uh, but then also, as we're, those, those weird little ghosts are popping up, and like, there's, I see the construct of them like creating a narrative where they can tease you out and be like, oh, if you want answers to this, you gotta buy this game or play this game or go to a browser thing or, or buy a 3DS or whatever. Um, I don't know, do you guys, are you guys able to invest in a narrative when it's obvious that it's serving a functional purpose of like stringing you through multiple uh, purchases. Questions? Oh, yeah, oh, basically. Oh, purchases. I mean, people liked Lost, <laughs> and it didn't. It didn't solve anything. I mean, people just like to have a mystery thrown at them so they can speculate. Mm -hmm. And if you if you present it well enough, then they won't like want an answer. They'll just make up their own. And there's just whole. I mean, that's why fan fiction exists. It just appeals to certain kinds of people. You have Kingdom Hearts. You have Lost. You have. Hell, Dark Souls even. I mean, half the lore in that game is off item descriptions alone. So if you really think about it, yeah, most of the time, yes, it's terrible. And it's stringing people along for money, but there's there's a market for it. People will eat that shit up. Yeah, uh, Boone's right. Although, Lawrence, like, you and I have had this talk a number of times just across our careers. And I, the more that I, the more that I see that pattern, the more that I see someone being like, oh, yeah, like, this is going to be fuck, this is going to be seven seasons or eight seasons. I'm like, nah, 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 oh. we're good. Because I've seen so many good narratives told in one or two seasons. Um, I, I know it can be done. And uh, it's so rare. It's so rare for a television show to, or like an anime or a video game or whatever, to do that well, where they, they draw it out five seasons and every season has something new. And they add something different to the, their narrative. And, you, and then they tie it all up in the end. I mean, a great example is Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Which is just... Still haven't watched any Star Wars yet. Oh, yeah, that's right, Boone. You've not watched any of the... Oh, yeah, like... I ugh. I got to watch some of it. My Discord made me watch some of it the other day. And I watched up to a, the part where they had... Uh, some dude said McClunky, and they shot him. And that was it. <laughs> and and I and then I had to go stream after that, but I was like, this is amazing. I need to watch the rest of this. And I just never did. But, yeah, the only... The only Star Wars media I've ever watched is this thing called The Backstroke of the West. Right, yeah. Which is the Chinese version of an English version of Star Wars that was pumped through Google Translate and like twice and then dubbed over. So my only experience of Star Wars is a complete joke that's on YouTube, pretty much. <laughs> well, Rise, Rise of Skywalker does quite possibly the worst job of summing up a narrative across 45 years or whatever it was. And it bummed me out so hard. Uh, and it was the same with Lost. Lost did exactly the same thing. But there are other television shows that haven't done that. Uh, Friday Night Lights is a great example of a television show that was five seasons. And every season I was like, there's no way. There's no way they can do this again. And they did it again. And it, and better. Um, and I was 
I was blown away. I really was. Uh, same with My Hero so far. My Hero's been, what, three, four seasons? And I've liked almost basically every single arc. Um, and it builds, the arcs build on the other. That's just hard. That's really, really hard to do storytelling. You, you, you know what's crazy, though, Bruce? The what's fact up? that that guy has been pumping out issues every single week. Every He just put, pushes out stories every week because his publisher like requires him to do that. And most people who do that, like you have this anime called Bleach, you have an anime called, you know, like Naruto. Yeah. After a certain point, you can't push an artist to not only make the story, but the narrative. Right. And this guy's still going. Yeah. Every season he makes is just as good as the last, if not better. And I don't know how much more he, they, they can push out of him because it seems like <laughs> he's trying to like set up a definitive end, but Shonen Jump's like, no, 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 you got to keep going. You got to keep pumping this out. People are eating this shit up. And I'm kind of worried that if they keep pushing yeah. him, it's going to get worse and it's not his fault he's just following what the publisher wants no i'm i'm really worried about that too um lawrence is there anything you've you've watched like uh let's say three or four seasons more, more than that that you were like wow this is great i could i could watch more of this I, you know like they ended at exactly the right time or has it always just been one season or two for you yeah my, my hero is the best example so far i think the difference is that my hero doesn't my hero's quality doesn't predicate on either forcing speculation into your brain or teasing a payoff that may never arrive. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right, yeah. Never thought it like that. I mean, they, they there's a very soft amount of that. They'll introduce a shady villainous organization. It's like, what's up with these guys? Obviously, that's something that they're teasing forward and that they'll drip feed to you. But the value of the narrative is in the human drama of it and the, uh, like, kind of the diving into people's brains and seeing their backstories and their particular emotional hurdles that they have to overcome. Yeah. And unlike most stories, like the the problem I had with Naruto is that he kept going through the same emotional catharsis over and over and over again. Um, to some degree, uh, Midoriya does that as well. Like he has to get over a lot of things multiple times, but he eventually gets to a place where he's kind of changed as a character. Um, and they find a lot of value in telling human stories about other characters. So to me, it's like, what is the show telling you its value is in? Is it in actually the human interactions? Uh, going back to the Lost phenomenon, that show did a, such a good job of pairing the two. Each episode would be a very human story that was very understandable and relatable about any of the island's inhabitants. Um, and then also would be like, oh, but what's this new thing happening on the island? So it was a combination of really good human storytelling plus what's this thing? Um, after a while, the human elements started to fall away and the show just started focusing more and more on what's going on on the mm -hmm. island. And once that happened, I lost interest because, I don't know, the I have a baked-in sort of defense mechanism where if I can tell a story is shaping itself around... Like, if a story's value is in what happens next time, it's probably not a good story. Mostly because that tells me that they haven't written it yet. That's right. And... Yeah. Uh, and then my my reaction is to just not invest. But I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's smart. Like, wouldn't it be better to just enjoy it for what it is all the time? Well, you, I mean, it it certainly helps. It, your your defense mechanism, I think, is correct because um, for the most part, it's right. Uh, hmm. But there are some really good storytellers out there that um, actually do a fantastic job of wrapping stuff up from seasons past. A good example is The Wire. Uh, oh, was, oh yeah, that's the, the, oh my the god. Wire, I still haven't seen the that. Wire is one of those television shows that you, if like Lawrence for this defense mechanism, you'd be like, this is no, this isn't it. Like I, you, you would tap out, and if you tap out of that show, then three or four seasons down the line, when they're like when they bring up something and then tie that up, you're like, 
it blows your mind. Yeah. You're just like, I can't believe they thought that far ahead. Or they had somebody, such a masterful storyteller, wrap up those those loose ends in that way across multiple seasons. It's it's that in my opinion, that's like almost like a genius that that's doing that. So Huh. Yeah. And yeah, I guess I guess I can't really identify anything that's longer than like two seasons that it, recently that I've invested into and and haven't been paranoid about. <laughs> I guess what I need to do is just stop like recognize things for what they are. So if I'm watching Lost to be like, oh, okay, there's more stuff going on, but not I don't know. I guess it's tough for me to find value in something when yeah, when all the value is predicated on something that hasn't happened and I, may never happen. I, I kind of follow the same philosophy. I usually like to stay to like 24 episodes of any given show. And if it goes over that, it has to be really good or it has to be such a slow burner. Like it can't be, it has to be like a political drama or something really slow mm-hmm. to, to predicate that, to have that happen, to have it work. Because if it's like an action anime or, or anything else, it just doesn't, it doesn't pan out well at all. It just goes back through the same kind of uh, arcs over and over again. It does. So it's really hard to, I don't know. It's really hard to get that kind of stuff rolling out and working. Yeah, I mean, bringing it back to Final Fantasy, like, I'm in a, I guess I'm in a really fun spot right now where I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, I am so excited to find out what happens to these characters. Um, But they haven't thrown anything too out of this world or crazy at me yet. Even though, like, Cloud's flashbacks have happened, I'm, uh, unlike Lawrence, trusting that they're going to pay those off. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. That's a good question. What if they don't? The, or if what if it what if it makes it seem like they're going to, but then they don't in this one, but then another game comes out. Is it worth buying that one because you think they're going to pay it off in that one? Like how much how much value does that have for you? That, that's a great question. So there's there is definitely, I'm there's definitely going to be a fall off. There's diminishing returns for me. So if the narrative itself ties up well in remake part one, uh, then I'll be excited for part for remake part two. But if they end remake part one on a bunch of different questions and then really don't tie up the narrative well from the first from part one then i'm gonna be upset then i'm gonna Mm -hmm. be like well wait a minute they didn't even give me a satisfying ending to part one so why would i continue on part like i'm not i don't care that much about the narrative right so like um a good example is uh a new hope episode four star wars episode four a new hope wraps up very very nicely darth vader gets knocked away so you're like oh well, he's still alive. Something's probably going to happen. and uh, But you still got really super satisfied by ep- uh, episode four. And then episode five um, widens the scope of it. And you go, holy shit, there's so much more to this. And you had no idea. Um, so that's that's a good example. I'm trying to think of bad examples of that that I that I could point to. I don't know. I can't think of anything offhand. Yeah, what's, what's something you've watched or played where the narrative plants all these seeds of mysteries in your head, doesn't actually provide satisfactory conclusion to them. Oh, too many and you were still excited <laughs> for the next thing. Yeah, Boone's right. Boone, can you think of any? Because I, I can't think of any offhand because I try to... I can't think of any because there's so many of them. I'm trying to think of one given one that's like recent right now. But wouldn't it be ideal... Oh, what, just just Westworld, theory crafting Westworld here, Season 2 is a great, great example. Sorry. Okay. Westworld yeah. Season 2 is no, it's okay. it's terrible. Uh, go ahead, Lawrence. Oh, Game of Thrones, yeah. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it be ideal to get to a place where you can just be like... Just consume the media or whatever, and the, and and I the, right the turn now, off your brain thing. Yeah, I I I'm so torn about that. I I think what it comes down to is I'm able to turn off my brain and have fun when the media tells me to do it. So like when I go watch Hobbs and Shaw, yeah, that's what they say. Fast and the Furious, you turn uh-huh, off your brain. Exactly. Like the show, they they tell you like yeah, anything after the first Fast and Furious, 
is definitely a joke or a parody. I don't know if they knew that at first, but they definitely are self-aware now, right? Yeah. Uh, there's there's something about communicating intent that to me means everything. It's like, if a movie says straight up, this is going to be dumb fun and we're going to establish the mental stakes and we're going to tell you what we're here to entertain you with. And then uh, and then, then I'm like, okay, cool. I know the stakes. But when it's something like, like Kingdom Hearts or whatever, and I keep coming back to that because to me it's fascinating. Like, people really love it, but it really did execute this idea super well. And I mean well in the sense that it sold super crazy well and it, it really did create this whole community of people that attack this thing and try to try to find value or meaning in it. Um, wouldn't it be ideal to, to, even when you hit that point where you know what they're doing, to still be able to be like, okay, well, you know, I'm not gonna, I will no longer hinge my enjoyment of this on narrative payoff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's hard for me to, to be told that I should care about the narrative, but then also not care about the narrative, especially when you have to watch a ton of cutscenes and stuff. Ah. No, yeah, I don't know. You're right. It's, uh, I'm working on it. No, you're totally right. I'm trying to get to places where like, I can enjoy everything for what they are and not second guess myself or push myself into places where I get negative about it. Well, I mean, like, I was able to do that a long time for with Arrow and Flash. Like, I watched those. Oh, yeah. I, I watched those for three, four seasons. And uh, and Arrow and Flash did a pretty good job of, like, wrapping up narrative. Uh, like, obviously, they were stupid, but, like, stupid narrative stuff that they had established at the beginning of the season. They'd wrap it up at the end of the season. And then they started trying to turn into a real television show. <laughs> And it was, oh. and it was bad. It was like, and it was really bad. Um, and uh, I, you, you, like much to Lawrence's point, you really stop caring about what the characters are doing. You stop caring about the action. You stop caring about any of it because you've been strung along for so long and they're not answering your questions and you don't care about the characters anymore. So that's it. You're done. Like you're uninvested from the television show. And that happened to me a couple of seasons in Lost. It happened to me about three seasons in The Arrow and Flash. It was Walking Dead was exactly the same way. Um, mm. And like Lawrence said, it, then you, you start to realize, oh, this is just a money grab. Like they're just they're just they're still making the show because it makes fucking money. And uh, and that's a real bummer. Like when you when you as a consumer start to realize you are a consumer, um, you know, versus somebody who is like who loves the television show and wants to go out and buy all the merch because they made a good television show. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, they're cashing in on me. <laughs> so isn't that okay though? Like, uh, to, 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 oh, to it some is, degree, it is. You're still enjoying parts. Of it? Absolutely, yeah. if you're still enjoying it, yeah. I mean, like, um, hmm. I'm trying to think of a, a show that I like that I would follow. Actually, uh, terrific examples of shows like this are Autumn and I are watching um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and uh, Vander <laughs> what? and Vanderpump Rules, and they're both fantastic television show they're so good because that's exactly what they are they are only meant for like bite size not think about whatever you're watching ridiculous shows with kind of bullshit drama even if it's supposed to be a reality show that's totally not real but um but you're watching just because you know it's gonna be stupid and i that's why that's why i think it's fun and you you can get into the drama but then also if you want to decide that the drama is stupid you can be like nah fucking who cares never mind um, it's it's really it's a really interesting balance that a lot of reality shows have been able to hold really well, and people are always like shitting on reality shows. It's like, Ugh. dude, the keep up the Kardashians. People watch that show uh, the world over, millions and millions. Of, there's a reason they watch that show. There's a reason. Is it still is it still running even? Yes, and I'm watching it. It's oh, great. Man. Um, it's so good. And again, by good, I don't mean a, a good narrative or anything like that. <laughs> no. I, I mean it's a it's a like uh, infinitely watchable television show. 
So I don't know. There are there are weird there are there are arguments either way on that one, but uh, it doesn't it definitely doesn't forward society in any way. <laughs> it doesn't teach you any lessons. Um, but it, uh, it doesn't need to. Yeah, but it doesn't need to. Exactly. It's, well, it's the same with Fast and Furious. Uh, those don't teach you any lessons, but they're fun to watch. No, it teaches you that family's so important. It's worth killing an entire army of people for. <laughs> That's true. And destroying a government and toppling a gang. I, I actually don't know what the lesson of Fast and Furious is, but only that one thing. Yeah, cars, family, Corona light, uh, barbecues, <laughs> giant oiled up men. Uh, pretty much when got it. it. When does it become about cars again, though? Because I, I got to, I watched all of them recently for the first time. I watched up to, um, I think seven, and I'm like, when do the cars come back? Okay. When does the racing uh, come back? Because I don't, I don't see never. any of that anymore. There's like Aww. somebody, somebody made a graph of like runtime of races versus anything else in Fast and Furious movies, and yeah, it's just like the movies increasingly are less and less about actual cars, but. What, what killed me in the recent one is there's, like, shots of the Fast and Furious crew kind of all driving and talking from their cars. And it's almost like the cars themselves are... <laughs> it, it looks just straight up, like, out of G.I. Joe. Yeah. Which is, is absurd, but makes total sense with where the franchise is now. I think the last time it was remotely about any kind of cars was 6. When it had that, like, swarthy Eurotrash dude... We made the ramp car. Oh, yeah. Because what's the... Yeah, what's, that was cool. That was awesome. And, like, I appreciated even that movie tried to work in thematic elements of, like, the villain doesn't care about the consummate parts of his team. He just needs the machine to work. <laughs> so if the part's broken, he gets rid of it. Like, he's a bad guy. But Vin Diesel, on the other hand, cares about all the members of his family, and that's what makes him strong. Like, at least there was some kind of cheeky philosophical difference between the villain and, and the hero. Air, big air quotes around both those things. Uh... That's kind of what I like is when is when there's a dumb movie that doesn't need to have any value to it and then somebody tries to cram a little bit in there. Uh, but that was the last time it was remotely about car culture or racing at all that I can remember. Now it's now it's basically a Marvel film, which is uh it's fine too. Uh, I mean I guess speaking in that regard, the the whole Marvel run is the best thing I can think of where there were mysteries implanted in different narratives. Uh, that were, you know, all had the promise that it would pay off someday. And then it actually did. And it did, yeah. Um, but, but all of the, like, connected stories that those mysteries were kind of built on top of or under or whatever, those were all good, too. And that's kind of the difference, I guess. If, like, you have to tell a good story alongside seeding interest in a future thing. It can't be all seeding interest in a future thing. Or it can, because that really works for people, which I, I, guess, I guess I feel left out. Well, it I, I wish that I could... I could be as into Kingdom Hearts even knowing that it's like constructed as a vehicle to sell games and that there's not really any total answer there. They're just kind of making it up as they go. Well, everything everything is constructed as a vehicle for us to buy. I mean, it is. You're right, like yeah. it, but but that doesn't mean that the people making it don't care. Um so like Final Fantasy for me, um like I like that what you said just just right now which was like I feel left out. Um don't feel left out because less people uh, are going to love Final Fantasy than are going to love Marvel. So, in reality, you're in the larger group. Um, Final Fantasy is a little is more niche than Marvel, uh, not by much, but it is. And it's it's one of those things where like, yeah, most people are just going to kind of tune out. They're just going to be like, ah, fuck it. I don't, you know what? I don't want to come back to this. It's probably going to be me unless I really, really like the story. Um, and then most people are just going to drop off and be like, well, you know what? I'm not going to play Remake Part 2. No big deal. But they stuck with Marvel. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I, 
it's it's totally fine to like both. Why not? You know, you absolutely fine to like both. Uh, but there are more people that like the stuff that actually ties up the narrative. <laughs> it does a good job of telling it um, alongside a larger arc than the ones that don't. So, yeah, well said. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't feel on a larger scale. I guess I'm also torn just between overthinking things and stop thinking about things. I don't know. I think I think everybody wrestles with that to some degree. How much should I think about things? Yeah. Uh, sitting in the grocery store, sta- staring at two different boxes of cereal, having a mental <laughs> breakdown. Boone, let me ask you this. Uh, is there ever a time that you watch something? Because I recently saw a tweet from Freddie Wong. It was really a really smart tweet, but it was... Um, I'll ask you this question before I tell you what the tweet was, which was, uh, do you watch something and think to yourself, oh, it should have done this and this and this? Or do you watch it and go, oh, I didn't like it because of this and this and this? Do you ever give it a should? You're like... I could have written this story better, or it should have been this and this. Does that ever happen to you? It de- if it's a video game, I can think like how how it could work and function storyline wise and like mechanically. But if it's a movie, I ca- I don't like to put myself into that because writing is on a whole different level when it comes to like presenting a narrative on screen as opposed to like a video game where it can be really simple as long as it is gratif- gratifying in some sort of way or form. But when it comes to movies or anime, like, I have no idea. I can't even physically imagine what would make... Like, let's say if my hero got really bad all of a sudden. There is nothing I could possibly think of that could make that show any better with how long it's ran. Um, and the narrative that's set up. Like, you have to have it all thought out as the writer. Otherwise, it just doesn't come together, you know? Yeah. And um, to, to be... Like, I, it's just so weird to me to think, like... If like imagine if you watch Fast and the Furious and you're like you watch the first one and you get to six or whatever when the you get to that villain you're like man I wish it was like the first one they should go back to doing that and they should do it this way but it wouldn't be successful if you really think about it like everything that they've done with Fast and Furious they've gotten more they've gotten more cash flow from that entire movie series like it's hard to quantify that it really is um, so I'm more of a person that's along the line I, I guess both I'm along the line of thinking of a. Uh, both sides of it. It just depends on what the uh, form of media is, you know? Yeah. Lawrence, what about you? I I will very often wish that certain things had gone in different directions. And this, it, it's it's tricky because I, I know exactly the post you're talking about. And it really made me think a lot, too. Um, particularly in regards to what's going on with 7 Remake. Because about halfway through, when they're drip feeding you info, then my brain suddenly explodes. And it's like, oh, it could be this. And once, once my brain latches onto an idea like that, it starts being like, oh, and then that can mean that, and that can mean that, and that can mean that. And I, I start to make myself really excited about the possibilities of where it's going. And even more than that, this is, this is a weird thing to say, but like I get excited about thinking of the clever ways writers can use their craft and their mechanic to like wrap a narrative or, or make certain statements. Um, and then if it doesn't turn out that way... Uh, then I get disappointed, uh, which is which kind of leads to the oh, what what if they did this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Which I I agree on some level is kind of creatively disrespectful, um, because for all in the context of the post Bruce is talking about, for all we know, maybe they did explore those ideas and decided against them for reasons we don't understand. Um, but yeah, one of the one of the most powerful and and I talked about this previously, but one of the most powerful experiences I remember like that is Interstellar. Um, how, to me at least, and, and Nolan does this so many times in his movies, and a lot of the times I love it, but in Interstellar it really bothered me. How he will ask very, very interesting questions with his narratives. Um, with Interstellar, to me, uh, and this is my analysis, and this is in my own head, while I was watching it, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. The movie is asking, like, 
what's going to be, what's going to save mankind? What is our virtue? Is it our intellect and our reason or is it our passion and love? Um, because that's kind of, that's a question that I've asked myself a lot. Do we embrace our nature and the things that make us human to, to survive and uh, sort of evolve and ascend? Or do we reject our base natures because that's, that's like monkey brain and really focus down on intellect and reason? And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see the commentary that this movie is going to make on this question. Except it didn't. It, uh, it, at the end it was just like, oh, it's both. You need both. I was like, ah, that is such a, such a simple answer. Um, and it, maybe it's, maybe it's a good one. Uh, maybe it's the right answer or whatever. Maybe it did like spark a lot of interesting thought in the audience. But for me, I was like, you, you backed out, man. You could have said something interesting and, and like, so made me are think. Are you saying, are you in the camp of if it doesn't conform to how you feel like it's going to go? Like you like to read into things a lot. It seems like when it comes to like digesting media, like you can probably predict what's going to happen in something. If it kind of deviates does it bother you or is it if it deviates in the wrong direction? It's, I mean, it's, it's neither really. I, I don't, I don't spend my time trying to guess where a narrative is going to go. Cause I know a lot of people do that. There's like a, a, a process where if you feel like you can guess where it's going to go and then it goes there, then you feel smart. That's not, I see a lot of people being like, yes, I called it and feeling some kind of payoff there. That's not really my thing. It's more like my brain just whirs. And I really enjoy having a mental dialogue with something while I'm watching it, of asking questions and questioning like, oh, why did they do the shot this way? Why did they light it this way? Is there significance to the fact that this person's framed in this manner? And part of that is like, I really enjoy appreciating the talents of everyone involved in a creative work. So watching something like, like Mr. Robot season one was incredible because yeah. I feel like a lot of the framing they did and the pacing of the editing and all this stuff was to drive home kind of the mental state and the paranoia of the main character. And it's super cool to see that stuff. Um, but then imagine that like in Mr. Robot season two, they find a way to completely undo all those things, which they didn't, not necessarily. Uh, season two was kind of a buy, but so for me, it's like while I'm watching Interstellar and I'm taking in like the amazing writing, the good dialogue, the amazing acting, the, the incredible directing, I'm, I'm like, my brain is automatically trying to apply uh, reason to that stuff so that I can further appreciate and respect the creative process that went into it. So then I start to settle on, okay, maybe this is where the movie's going, and that's a really cool thing, and my gosh, I can't wait to see where this movie goes because of those, uh, those thoughts. And then when the movie doesn't go there, and it goes somewhere else that, to me, is not as interesting as where I was hoping it would go, mm -hmm. then that's the, that's the sort of the disappointment. Well, that's that, and I don't that, know how to balance those two things. That is a that's a should though, right? That's, a, that's like, a, oh, well, it, it should have done the thing that I wanted it to do, but it didn't. So then... You know? It kind of is. I saying should I guess is is strong because I I, I would never go to Chris Nolan and be like you you <laughs> punk ass bitch your movie is trash. The mo the most I would ever say is at certain points in that film I had hoped that it would tackle certain subjects and then it chose not to, and because of that I was disappointed. I would have I guess I guess the way that I would say it is like I don't want them to do X Y and Z. I'd like to see them try to do X Y and Z, mm. and I'd really love to see what that output looks like. But that's not for me to decide, and it's certainly not my place to tell them they should do those things. Yeah. But my brain wants it now that that possibility has been planted, which to a degree goes back to what we were talking about before. When you poke holes in something, that's places where my brain likes to germinate ideas, and then if those ideas don't measure up, at least as far as my brain's concerned. That's when I check out. Yeah, no, I mean, like 
I think a lot of people are like you, Lauren. I, I don't, I don't think that, because like I think, for me, I'm for some reason I'm I don't ever do that, and the only time I ever do that is with Star Wars, uh, and it's because I have the breadth of knowledge that I do of Star Wars of reading all those books and all that other bullshit that I did when I was a kid, um, and in college and now, uh, where I have the actual like I know all the story arcs they could do, and then and then when they don't do them, I'm like I'm like ah man, why didn't they do that? But anything else, for some reason, I'm able to just be like. All right, give me the art, and then I will tell you what I think of it afterwards. But most of the time, I almost don't like thinking about where it's going to go because I don't want to spoil it for myself. Um, and I like uh, a good example, and I've seen everybody mention it in, in both chats, which is Game of Thrones. Um, Game of Thrones, for me, I didn't think about it at all. I hated reading posts of where it was going to go. And so when they gave it to me, I was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> and everybody else was like, no, that's dumb. They should have done this, and they should have done this, and they should have done this. They, they seeded these things. They should have done this. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I guess I guess they did see those things, but I, I don't know. I just really liked it. Um, and, uh, and I was on the, uh, definitely on the negative side of that in terms of the internet. But I was not on the negative side of that in terms of everyone else. So everybody, the ratings, if you go go look this up. I just read this the other day. The ratings went up and up and up. They were the highest they ever were in that last season of Game of Thrones. So the... Uh, Do you think that that may be a fault with media criticism, though? Like, it's so popular that, like, there's some kind of groupthink effect where people think it's better than it is just because everyone else says they like it? I, I, I mean, maybe. It's certainly... I mean, Lawrence, that was something I realized early on when I was a kid because I loved Star Wars. And I, I knew a bunch of people in high school that were like, Star Wars is dumb. And I was like, well, why is Star Wars dumb? And they were so honest. They were like, well, because everybody else likes it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, it blew, that blew my mind. because I was that, That's all it takes. That's all it takes, especially online. Yeah. But yeah, like, especially nowadays, I feel like a lot of people are really quick to uh, jump down larger properties. Like, if they mess up once or if they don't appease their base audience, that even people, most of the hate you see with, like, let's say... Kind of, kind of off-brand, but like Fallout 76, right? Not a great game, right? But a lot of the criticisms it got were from people who didn't even play the game, who never had purchased the game. Um, they just want something to jump down the throat of, right? That's big and has messed up. And the whole... Uh, you're absolutely right about the group thing thing. Like, as soon as someone finds fault in a bigger property that they're not a part of, they just like the shit on the fan base, they like the shit on the, um, the company and find any route they can to seem smarter and better than uh, whatever it is that they're going up against, you know? Yeah. Do you think that it's... So I, I have sometimes... some so In some ways I like it, in some ways I don't. Sorry, this, is, this may be a little too, like, 5,000 feet in the air kind of idea, but are you okay with that happening around media as opposed to other things that are probably more important to society and culture? Um, and, that, and it happens around those things too, I guess, but... In the world that we tend to live in and spend a lot of time in, as as internet talk talking people, uh, it does seem like a lot of the same human behaviors and tribalism and us versus them kind of things. I guess it's it's potentially less damaging that it happens around stories involving people with magic powers and laser swords than it is around like issues of race or sex or things like that. So I don't know. Do you do you guys ever get a little creeped out with the intensity and ferocity that people talk about? online media i mean hell we've just spent the last hour I, talking about I, it i feel like people can get away with it right with with just online media stuff because you're not directly attacking 
Well, you might be attacking a fan base, right? But you're not like a directly attacking like a a political party or mm. uh, demographics of people or anything like that. You're just and it, and it doesn't hurt your face at all. It just makes you like. I don't know. It depends on what it is, too, really, if you really think about it. But it is strange to think about that people are so quick to, to shit on something, even if they haven't experienced it, more than they would something like a real-life event that's happening. I feel like most people just don't think about it, you know? Or they, they don't want other people to know their opinions on real-life events other because they feel like that will separate them from their friends or yeah. their acquaintances. Yeah. But it's okay to hate Fallout 76 because everyone else hates it, right? And it's okay to hate, you know... Bethesda, it's okay to hate Star Wars or whatever. Whatever is the most fucked up thing at the moment. I don't know. Uh, Google Stadia, whatever. It's okay to hate those things because there's no lasting effects, negative effects on your um, That's right. position in society. So it and it's a, a good outlet to be mad, right? Because you're attacking a big evil evil company instead of. Um, well, that's that's a really good point, man. I, I never even thought of it that way. Because instead of yeah, me neither. Yeah, because instead of like because you're I mean like I absolutely don't. I'm not going to express myself fully when it comes to like political commentary, things like that, because I don't really want to like get into an argument about it. You know, like uh, I have lots of ways I think th that are just deep seated from years and years and years of doing research and study and lots of other things. But I, but like you said, Boone, it's like, I don't really want to get in an argument about fucking tr Donald Trump. I that's a waste of my yeah, time, exactly. right? That's a waste of my time. But if uh, <laughs> Star Wars, the game of Thrones, we can, uh, everybody can shit on it together. And then we can all feel good because, hey, it's a faceless corporation or uh, yeah, it's a group of people. I mean, truthfully, it was a group of people that made the television show. And a lot of them were negatively affected if you see those stories. But you're, for the most part, people on the Internet can feel invincible because it's just they feel especially if it's like a celebrity or something. It's like, oh, they're not they're They're too big. They don't care if I shit on them. You know, they have yeah. all this money and they have huge egos. But then other people. They're people at the end of the day, but I mean, it's easier for them to do that because no one's going to come and stop them and say, hey, you shouldn't shit on this person because they're human too. They're just going to, they're probably going to think the same exact thing. But it's a really good outlet instead of having to worry about, I did, that's, I did never thought of that, Boone. So let's, let's theory craft a little bit here. Let's, let's presume that, uh, yeah, JJ feels pain too. Whatever, he's a punk bitch. Um, <laughs> let's let's say theoretically that it's it's in human nature to blow off some steam, right? You got to you got to bag on something, um, whether that's episode nine or Game of Thrones. Um, the I mean that's better than like you know than attacking a doctor for performing surgery. Like that that is something that matters much more to society. I would say is medical care. Um, I mean, it all has its purpose. I, I shouldn't make grand sweeping statements. Anyway, point is, yeah, if you want to bag on on a goofy uh, fairy tale about people with laser swords, that does seem like a, a safer target than directly attacking a person trying to do a really direct work. So, if we were to erase, let's say theoretically, we try to erase all negativity towards peoples in our society, but people still need something to shit on, what should they shit on? Oh, that's really that's a big question. I don't know. No, no, but Loris is right because I've I've often thought about this. Um, we should have AI make shows that we can just fucking just go online and flame to hell and back. But that's that's the reality show. That's a reality. Oh shit! That's a reality show because everybody can shit on a reality show, even the people that watch it. Like I'm allowed to say, like I just said, the show itself is ridiculous television, and the people making it know that. They, that doesn't mean again they don't they don't put their hard their hard work into it and their heart and soul, but because they know the show they're making right. So 
that's what's so cool about those shows. It's just like any other art. They are leaning into what their goal is. And their goal is to make a ridiculous television show that's way over the top, even though it's supposedly based in reality. Then they've succeeded. Um, and they know it's ridiculous. You know? <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals? That's a... <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. We can all shit on the Bengals. They're always bad. Like a, a Sonic fans, Sonic fans, Sonic, Sonic fans. Uh, but but they're having a good time, right? Um, I mean, they the don't know that don't. we're shitting on them, right? Yeah, they have to. I hope not. I hope not. I, I um, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go on ahead. Oh, I, I just like the idea of a sports team that's like they know they're bad, and it's it's. To throw it back to Nolan, it's like the end of Dark Knight. It's like, stick your dogs on me because I could take it. Imagine a sports team that's so bad that they know they have to go out there and be bad just so their town can feel can let a little steam off just by dropping a hot load all over them every week. I wonder if the so they just go out there and suck ass so hard so people have a good laugh. I wonder if the, Cle- the Cleveland Browns do that every week. I wonder if they. I wonder if they're honestly if they're geniuses. Do you think they're geniuses that run that team and they're like they know that their town sucks so bad that. They have to go out there and be like, yeah, these people need this. They need to shit on. They need to boo us so they can they can go back to their wives and their children and like treat them, treat them with love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that what a heel is in wrestling? I mean, that you could if you could equate that to an entire sports team, that would be amazing. Huh? I mean, people are coming to watch sports for for spectacle now, as opposed to the actual sport, if you really think about it. Like there's more interviews with the celebrities now in, in sports as opposed to just like the plays they've made. Like, people want to know the drama. They want the spicy stuff. They want to see the rise. They want to see the fall, you know? And that kind of makes me wonder where sports is going to be in a few years. And if, you know, maybe if that can be applied to esports as well. Oh, there have been match-fixing scandals and stuff in esports. Um, that's not quite the same, though, because that's mostly just to rig bets. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. The problem with, like, esports is, I guess, technically, like, regular sports, is you still have to win. Yeah. Like, uh, pro wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Pro wrestling can create a narrative because everyone's in. Holy shit! Yeah. Sorry, uh, that video freaked me out. Um, the like everyone's kind of in on it because everyone loves the story. Um, I feel like to some degree that that almost gets into weird. Like, yeah, communication issues. If if football were to start tiptoeing towards like rigging matches for the sake of a really good really good play or really good narrative, um, I feel like people would have to be clued in about that. And there'd have to be some kind of mutual, if unspoken, agreement between the spectators and the performers. Well, maybe, that- maybe not so much like a rigged thing, but like, let's say you're a really bad team, um, and even if you lose, you're able to play up the fact that you're like the underdog, you're the big loser, or whatever. I don't know, because you maybe. see it. I mean, you're right though. It wouldn't really work without like a scripted out, plotted thing, so it kind of defeat the purpose. But it makes me wonder what, what the future of Sports entertainment's going to be like, you know, well, people are if it's going to be saying, more spectacular. Yeah, not. well, people are saying. I mean, like, a, a really good example actually uh, are the Patriots. The Patriots are a really good team, and they win almost every single year. Um, and people hate them. I hate them. Uh, so they play a really good. They're cheaters. They they play a really they play a really <laughs> good heel in football. And I guess they really the question is 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 that just happening because that's just the way it happened or are people on are people on the Patriots actually leaning into the heel right I don't know maybe a bit of both maybe it started to happen and they're like fuck it let's just go all in on this you know maybe it's hard to say it's hard to say I don't know it's it's uh I never even thought of that <laughs> there could be geniuses running these really really good teams or really really bad teams being like 
they people need to heal. <laughs> so let's be the heal, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. It gets people watching. It gets people who aren't invested in understanding the sport watching well, well, too. That's that's why know? people watch reality shows. I mean that's that's it's a lot of people watch reality shows because they want to see like sh- rich people who are out of touch like fuck up. And they want to see that because they could be like, oh, these fucking rich people, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They, have, they haven't lived a real life in 10 years or whatever. And I wonder if those people on the television show are so in touch with that that they play it that way. Or are they entirely out of touch and they just end up being... Because to me, the, the, the bridge between reality show and the viewers are the producers. The producers know... The producers are they're normal people. They don't make fucking millions of dollars a year, right? They know that the rich people are out of touch on the show. So then they take those rich people and humanize them and make them do ridiculous things so that normal people can watch and be like, ah, ha, 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 laugh at their misfortune, right? Even though they're rich and they probably never will have to worry about misfortune. I, maybe that's what it is. I'm not sure. So. That's a really good question. I know that like from, from various episodes of This American Life and stuff like that, um, and... Just some loose interviews with with reality show producers. I think it's an unspoken an unspoken hybrid of the two ideas. They find people that are like that have uh, narcissistic complexes. Um, so I think to some degree they find that people who want the attention, no matter what form it takes, and then they put them in circumstances where they can act out. Uh, so to some degree, everyone gets what they want. Uh, with people who really crave attention and are willing to become whatever person they need to be to get it uh, are perfect for those reality shows because they can be easily manipulated. Yeah. Or uh, or it isn't... I've wondered about that a lot too because I'll watch... I'm watching 90 Day Fiance and uh, there's a lot of circumstances well where four or five episodes in they'll introduce so-and-so's best friend and it's always like they have a sit-down talk about their, their circumstance or whatever. And then that best friend is suddenly a part of the show. It's literally like introducing a new cast member. That's right. And some of that stuff, I'm like, there's no way that the people on the show, like, how is, how is the illusion being maintained here that any of this is remotely reality when somebody had a best friend that they ask everything about that was never mentioned up until this one point and now they're around the whole time? Um, it it kind of makes you wonder, like, even the people on the show, surely there must have been a discussion with the producers where they were like, okay, here's Phil. He's going to be your best friend now. And then the person who was the subject is like, okay, I can roll with that. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, I feel like I feel like more than ever, reality is definitely kind of like pro wrestling now, where even the audience knows it's not real, yeah. but it's not about that. Yeah. It's about the craft of the, <laughs> the, the narrative that unfolds. So it's interesting how that doesn't, that doesn't shatter the illusion, even when it's rubbed in your face sometimes, that it's all, no. all orchestrated. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, it hasn't for wrestling ever. I mean, everyone knew that that was always staged. The point, yeah. but it never. I mean, like, and in reality, it's only gained more popularity. Um, and I, it's weird because I wasn't able to sort of separate that for for years. I, I always thought it was like, ah, oh, this is dumb. It's stupid. It's staged. But then the more that I thought of it as a television show that's written, the more I was like, oh, okay, I can like this. I can get into this. Um, I don't know why. I guess because it's staged as live. Um, whereas so is reality shows for that matter. Um, I'm not even sure how we got to this from Final Fantasy VII, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Manipulative uh, <laughs> media. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's the thread. Like media that is constructed with a purpose other than just trying to tell a nuanced or good or entertaining story, where it has to bend to its format or to 
uh, stringing the audience along to buy more product. Hmm. Uh, That's true. Which, yeah, no, you you definitely. It's it's funny to see people like suddenly realize that oh my gosh, media is commercial, because yeah, everything has to sell to some degree, unless you're just like a producer that made millions and millions of dollars on a, on a movie and you don't have to answer to to like money ever again you, uh yeah you're talking about it's always, a, talking it's always about the, a balancing you're talking about the room lawrence <laughs> the movie the room yes, yeah because he didn't have to answer anybody he made whatever he wanted uh i can't remember what it what was it oh yeah it was um halloween um so it's funny that you just scroll past a picture of jamie lee curtis but yeah apparently john carpenter got like 10 percent revenue share for halloween which meant that he could do whatever he wanted hmm. for the rest of his career. And it, it's, I never knew that. Like, uh, to, to throw back even more, there's a, oh boy, this may be a little bit too much information, but um, there's, there's this movie host called Joe Bob Briggs, which I never knew about because I never had cable, but he's just a Texas man who rambles endlessly about film. Um, so he dropped that little fact that that's where John Carpenter like made all of his money and thus had creative freedom for the rest of his career. And that made me think, like, oh my god, he's right. No one would ever make a movie like They Live if they had to answer to anyone. <laughs> but having creative or having financial freedom allows you to make some crazy-ass shit that ends up actually saying something important and interesting. So it really kind of, to me at least, drives home this interesting trade-off between having to, having to make money and pay the bills versus saying something that may not appeal to everybody but is a genuine statement about something. Uh, I know that there's been a... I do follow a lot of like writers and bloggers on Twitter and it's interesting to see them almost sort of come to those understandings about like why isn't my 50,000 word think piece about the nature of, I don't know, gender relationships in Final Fantasy 4, why am I not getting paid for that? Well, it's the trade-off between what's commercially viable and what isn't yeah. and not all expression is essentially viable that way. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I always go back to the same thing which is like most most uh, bands and creators, whether or not they're movies, television, whatever else they're making, generally you need a few other collaborators. Usually, it's very rare that there there is one person that knows exactly what they're doing all the time, and they're going to create art that everybody loves, or the majority of people love. Or you're looking to like it's very very rare. And usually, if an artist is giving give, given full creative freedom, and everybody starts saying yes to them. Then you're gonna get a. And it's, it stops being. Yeah, good. it stops being good. You're gonna Isn't get a Twin Peaks. Or you're gonna get a uh, Phantom Menace. Or you're gonna get a like something like that, where all of a sudden everybody's saying yes to this dude because nobody wants to say no and be like, why don't why why are you doing that? And then eventually it's just like this out of control garbage, and <laughs> and and people start tuning out because there isn't one person out there who's a genius. There just isn't. Like humans are better together than they are apart. So I don't know. At least I think so. That makes perfect sense. I actually like <laughs> Twin Peaks and Episode One because they're out of nowhere. I I almost prefer giving somebody with a weird mind a blank check and seeing what tumbles out. Um, it's certainly different because to me that yeah yeah it's it's different. Um, there's I think there's something to be said for for nailing a format and you know Fast and Furious is certainly a good example of that. But man. There is there's some a certain magic that happens when you remove limiters and boundaries from the human mind. There totally is. You're right. Uh, You're right. <laughs> and and it gets out there and it gets weird, and uh, yeah, then you get people like Joe Exotic and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> sorry, I saw saw somebody mentioning that in chat. It's there's man, and also like I'm, I guess it's just on my brain now. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, notwithstanding, but 
when people get removed from society or like what we consider normal, the human experience gets funky, man. Sex cults out in the woods and shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's just weird because like the the narrative seems to be that all the all the moral degenerates are in large cities um, with their pedophilia sex cults and whatnot, but. Man, people get up to some shit when they're out in the woods and nobody's around. Um, <laughs> I, I asked this question uh, a few podcasts back to Lawrence and Kraken, but Boone, what would let's say you had n- the most money in the world? You were Bill Gates, and I really, honestly, assume you're Bill Gates. You have billions of dollars. What would you make? Oh what boy. would you make if you wanted to? Like, if, what would you would you make a movie? Would you make a television show? Like, is there a specific project that you've always like invention or something? What would you do? Have you ever thought about that? I don't think I don't think I'd ever want to make if I had a lot of money I wouldn't want to make anything I would literally go find people I liked that made oh. things and I'd give them my infinite amount of money to make things I like more of huh you know so I'd I go to like GSC and I'd be like yo hey make more stalker games I don't care if they're the same thing just keep making them or um, go to the Dwarf Fortress dev and be like here's like a bajillion dollars go make your game actually look good to stream you know like I don't, you know anything like that um, because I feel like I'd rather I would with money, you can be remembered for literally anything. And if you're like a bajillionaire and you just use it for some weird shit, you're never gonna you're never gonna be remembered, right? But if you go and you find people who are reliable investments that you could that could make great things, and you throw money at them, then um you know then you're a legend, right? Yeah, you'll be remembered, sort of, even if you didn't do anything at all. Which is the ultimate way to become famous without being a producer is the ultimate way of getting your name out there without ever even trying at all. And that's the magic of it. So I'd do that. And I also live in a tiny little, uh, a little tiny house. <laughs> so I'm, like, <laughs> I'm very minimalist. I just, need, I just need one computer, man. Uh, well, I get everybody in chat, both chats have agreed that Boone should be our president. Um, so, and I agree. I, I, I do think that I would vote for Boone in 2020. Now, just put me in charge of the Federal Reserve. I love printing out money. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't know what inflation is or how it works, but I'm totally down to make it happen. Uh, you, you sound like a lot of the, a lot of our leaders, <laughs> unfortunately. Let's get those printers going. <laughs> yeah, I'm down to make it happen too. Let's make it. Um, well, not to change the subject too much, but uh, I don't know if anybody has looked into the Valorant cheat, the anti-cheat stuff. Have you got? Have you have you looked into that at all, Lawrence? I haven't Boom. even gotten into Valorant yet. Well, well not, not even getting into the game, but just more of what's happening with their anti-cheat stuff that they're installing on people's computers. Because I keep getting asked about it, and I don't know if you guys have, I, have looked into it. I've heard, when they initially announced the game, their main selling point, this is all I've heard, is our cheat engine's going to be so robust that there's not going to be any hackers for a long time. That's all they pitched. Like, that was the main selling point of the game over Counter-Strike, is that it was going to be better than VAC and Punkbuster. And that's it. Are they like hacking people's information or something? Or what's it? Is there something devious going on? Well, so the, the story is, uh, and like people are saying it could be devious. Um, but hilariously, if you go and read Riot's blog posts, like on their, on their blog about them, they're saying, hey, it's this uh, basically kernel depth anti-cheat that runs in the background always. And it's great because hackers have to basically you know, fight through another level of your computer to make a hack. And they say in the blog post, hey, if we wanted your data, we would steal it. They, they It's basically, they say, I don't, Lawrence, did you read it? Oh God. I haven't, no. It, it's I, hilarious. Be, it is hilarious. I kind of enjoyed not caring about that because I kind of don't care about Valorant or Riot Games in general, but yeah. I guess I should just to, just to see what people are mad about this week. It's it's one of those things where like, cause I didn't, 
people kept asking me, and I, I'm the same way. Lawrence was like, I just don't want to care about it. I know anti-cheat generally is kind of kind of weird, like spyware almost. Like it's always like it always feels a little strange. It depends what it's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, the, what what bugs me is that people who really don't have any grasp of how operating systems work or even how computers work uh, feel qualified to say what programs should and shouldn't do. That's true. Um, which to some degree is acceptable, but like, let's say you go to a mechanic and they say they need to fix your car and they have to replace a part inside the engine. Are you going to slam the table and say, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Get your hands out of my engine. I mean, it, it's, it's a shitty, it's a, it's not, it's not an accurate analogy, but that's sometimes how it feels. Uh, and by that note though, you shouldn't ask somebody to read, you know, a 300 page manual about, uh, the way that operating systems delegate access to resources to be harder or to be upset about it. Uh, it is, it, to me, it is like, I've seen this cycle happen a couple of times where someone um, that has a partial understanding of how operating systems work make a very alarmingly worded Reddit post. It circulates like wildfire because people love to dunk on a big person. Right now it's Valorant and Riot Games because Valorant is taking over Twitch. And what better narrative than right. this biggest game of the week is actually stealing your data. <laughs> eh... I mean, and and to some degree too, it's like, oh, that ship has so sailed already. Uh, <laughs> no, you see, Lawrence, and no one Lawrence was paying is, attention. Lawrence is totally right. Lawrence is at one hundred percent right. Every time you talk about how everybody's data oh, is no, being absolutely. sold, you're totally right. Like it's but long gone. People should still care, and if this is the thing that wakes them up, that's fine. It's just it's weird to me the things that stick with people and the things that don't. Again, kind of going back to people get way more worked up about media than they do about things that probably actually matter. So. Yeah, in your in your wizard shooting game, there is a process that runs because cheats also run at that level. And like you, I'm not saying it's the same people, but people install some pretty invasive fucking shit to cheat at Counter Strike uh, because that's kind of where it has to go to masquerade as actual genuine inputs. So for the for the anti cheat to run at that level or to intercept it or to detect it, it kind of has to run at that level too, um, sort of. You can also just not play the game if that makes you uncomfortable, but that's not, you know, not where most people go. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that. I don't know, it's just like, <laughs> it, if you were to actually like watchdog your PC and your user data and all that stuff, you've already given it all away. Uh, all, most of us have. If you've, if you've made a Facebook account, or specifically, if you've ever linked your Facebook account to anything, a mobile game or whatever, You've already, already you've already given away the farm. <laughs> yeah. It's already over. Yeah, yeah you, you signed away power of attorney. That happened already. Uh, and, and I wouldn't, I'm not here to encourage people to just lie down and accept that because I fucking hate Facebook, but it did bug me that like Cambridge Analytica came and went. No, no gamers got mad about that. Um, but it was, uh, it's, it's like Epic Game Store's Chinese spyware. That's the headline that really hits. Uh, so I, you know. I give it like, you know, five more years, everyone will love Epic Game Store, and there'll be a new store out that everyone will hate. I mean, it happened with Steam. Yeah. I remember when Steam first came out, everyone fucking hated, hated it. it. Same thing. Every store that's ever come out, everyone's hated. And then immediately afterwards, they forget about it, and they move on to the next new store that does some new invasive stuff that we don't like and pays devs more money or something. I don't... Why are people getting mad about that? Am I, am I in the wrong? Because I just heard they just pay game devs money? To, to uh, make no, games like no. a, a flat boom. Payment? By the way, no, uh, I, I don't no? think you're in. The, okay, I, okay. I mean, people told me I was in the wrong when this when these stories first broke. We were doing inside gaming, and I was like, oh, yeah. "Isn't this cool that they're paying developers more money to make their games and like enabling these artists to create more art?" And everyone's like, "No, 
that's I, they, how dare they mess up the market that way? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? It's great. Uh, I, but a lot of people disagree with me. So that's weird. Yeah. That's so strange to me. I think they're just mad because new store. They got they got to type in their email again or something. I don't know. Or they don't like Fortnite. I have no idea. Well, I have zero so idea. The, uh, the comparison to Fortnite. With Riot, was the same deal. Um, they use BattleEye. Fortnite uses BattleEye, and that's kernel level. So it's like, that shit's been going for years with anti-cheat, and that's still at the same level that Valorant's at in terms of uh, Riot's anti-cheat. So, I've, again, it's weird because Lawrence is right. We've already given that shit away. But at the same time, do we... The way you fight this, and I've been say, I say this about everything, and everyone disagrees with me, but I'm going to say it until I'm dead. Don't play the game. Just don't play it. Don't install it. If you if you want to fight this, don't install it. Because the more people that don't install it, then eventually Riot's going to have to change their practices. That's what's going to happen. But, you know, like, I know it feels like you're just a drop in the bucket of a million people. And sometimes you are. But that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Is to say, you know what? I'm not going to play the game because of the anti-cheat and hold strong to your convictions. That's how you do it. That's how an individual does it, Bruce. But what if you're... Like all of us here, what if you're Twitch's number one streamer? Can you afford <laughs> to sacrifice that? All the all the hot views you're gonna get streaming Valorant? Hey, Lord. or imagine yes. not sacrificing your convictions for money. Imagine, ML. You gotta pay the imagine. bills. How are you gonna have convictions if imagine you're out of Imagine holding. Imagine holding true. It comes down. <laughs> Hey, I'll still take a Ray <laughs> Child Legends sponsorship any day. I don't care. Hey, that's totally fine. It's going to be uh, honest. A, as far as I know, there's nothing wrong with Ray Child Legends. badass. I'd do it. <laughs> so. I, I thought there might be just because of its status as a meme game. And then I played it and I was like, oh, I've played a million other mobile games like this. And I kind of like them. So it, it works out. Uh, not, I mean, actually, hold on a second. You want to talk about Raid Shadow Legends. That shit installs a process that runs at startup, and that's not excusable. Oh, uh, really? Where are you? Yeah, I think I think I blocked it, but I uh, I I I guess I would use this whole thing to to try to be a have a bit of a teachable teachable moment here. Look at your process list in Windows. Just really look at it. See what's in there. <laughs> don't make, I don't want to get scared. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, there's a ton of shit that you probably installed over it's the past running, couple yeah. of years, and guess what? A lot of it runs at startup, and on top of that, well, it's it's like running, but it's not doing anything. It's just a resident process. So at startup, the process might request like a process ID and a little bit of RAM so that it can just be there in case it's needed. Oh yeah, comm surrogate's running wild, exactly. Um, uh, so it's, this is not an uncommon process in PCs. It's not an uncommon process in games. It's just the, all the ingredients were there to have a really hot topic for one week and I don't know. It's probably gonna. So yeah, Hazari. Sorry, uh, there's somebody in chat. You can turn it to not start on startup. That's not every process though. Not not they don't sure all riots, register themselves as independent startup tasks. I'm pretty sure riots. So, riots anti. I think it just it just has to run. I think that's the way it goes. Yeah, and if you turn it off, it's not gonna let you launch the game. Right. So, um, uh, people find ways around it because they always do. But yeah, the the problem is there. Like I can see riots intent. So what do you like? What What's what's the ask? If if you're mad about it, I'm not, I, you was probably a little too too personal. But if Maybe. one is mad about this, what's well, the ask? What? We want no right. Trans take it out. And then now Valorant is as cheat heavy as CS:GO. Is that the goal? 
what they I think what they want is the the classic transparency of what they're using the data for, but they're probably not using it the data for anything other than what Google uses it for, which is probably advertising or gauging what their uh, users. I don't know. I have no idea. But most of the time, I think to even though even then that wouldn't please them. I have I have no idea. I think it's just more people being mad, having a reason to be mad at something, right? That's valid. I to some degree too. I think it's not. You don't have to know the solution to a problem to identify the problem and ask for something better. But I do think that sometimes the level of anger should probably be tempered by the lack of a better solution. Um, I know that like a lot of people, I don't know why this is popping out of my head, but I know a lot of people have issues with YouTube and the way it monetizes and the way that it demonetizes specifically. But what's, what's the better alternative? If, if the goal is to make advertisers happy so they continue putting money into the YouTube system, um, do you, I mean, is is the thought really if I just yell at YouTube enough, they'll give me money? <laughs> I don't know that that's ex exactly where that ends. Um, yeah, I would a, like better communication, one. but to some degree, even their hands are tied there. Hmm. I, I, so I don't know. Yeah, I, the because uh, I saw people being like, well, well, wait, Bruce, didn't you stream Valorant? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I stream Valorant because I don't have a problem with it. I was just saying, like, basically, like, like Lawrence just said, if one has a problem with it, there are things that you can that one can do. To change it, I don't have a problem with it. I, I, I realized long ago, uh, getting my degree in computer science and programming computers, that boy, people are doing a lot of really shady shit with the stuff that you install on your computer. That's just that's just part of it. Um, and unfortunately, those are things we have to deal with. Um, and the thing I always think about is Joel's webcam, where Joel would put something over his webcam. Uh, he'd always put like a piece of tape over his webcam on his computer because he didn't want people to tap into his uh, webcam, which is, by the way, a thing that people do, the government can do, um, or other people if they hack his computer. However, he used Google and like he, you know, had Google tracking and GPS and shit like that. So like, it, it depends on what data you want you want to sell and what data you don't. Um, because you know, I'm sure Google has Google's listening to me right now on my phone. They hear everything I say. So oh, that's so. Chad has a solid idea here. Or oh, sorry, Booger HD, excellent name. Uh, wrote a writer could told a user that he could uninstall the anti cheat whenever he wasn't playing the game, but have to reinstall it every time he wanted to play. That's fine. That's a solution. Or if if you're computer savvy enough to worry about the access layer of various processes, you can just set up a separate partition, install Windows on that, install Valorant, and have and boot to that when you want to play Valorant. And nothing else is on that partition except Windows, Valorant, and drivers. Then they don't get anything there. You have used your own expert knowledge of how computers work to make sure that Valorant won't, or sorry, that Riot won't sell any of your precious data to the Chinese. Yeah. Um, so it's it's frustrating because people who presume to have knowledge about computers and the access that they're giving them also have the tools to fix this problem themselves. But mm. I feel like it's it's kind of an interesting thing where it's like, okay, you're, or it doesn't work on virtual machine for some reason. I didn't say virtual machine, separate partition. Virtual machine, I could see it not working on because that's kind of like cheating as well. <laughs> uh, there's a layer of, of yeah, interpretation of the weird. software. Um, so, eh, you know, whatever. Uh, why is that on the consumer though? It's not. Uh, you can, again, choose to just not do it. Um, companies have the right to make a product the way they want. And, and clearly the goal with Riot is to make, or the, the goal they've expressed is to make a game that's not as cheat heavy as CSGO because I think they want it to be accessible for newcomers. You know, if you come into the game you hacked, yeah. and you just, yeah, you just get aced by yeah, everyone who's wall, wall hacking and, and, and headshotting, you're going to walk away. And then you may have put hundreds of dollars into the game. That all disappears. 
Um, that's that makes business sense to me. They may also want to make hundreds hundreds of yuan by selling your money to China. I don't know. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's not on you. But also, as a consumer, you you don't really get to choose. You don't get to have everything your way. Your power is to buy it or not buy it. And by not buying it, you've made the statement, kind of like Bruce was saying, that there are things that need to change before they earn your business. So this is important too, because like I noticed this when I, because I've had these conversations a number of times with a number of different media, and on in the U.S. we have a different attitude than a lot of the other world, or the rest of the world does. Like we're obviously we're very free market, very capitalist. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So like, that's the way we think about it. It's always the, the burden of mm. proof has always been on the consumer. So it's always been like the, the consumer has to do the research. Um, unfortunately, uh, or, you know, or fortunately, however you look at it, but that's the way we were brought up. That's the way we, we have lived here in the United States. So when, when riot does something like this and it's, it's exposed, then it's our choice. It is our job to then uninstall it or not. Um, it really is, uh, but in other parts of the world, it's not that way. In other parts of the world, it's actually more of the government, may, uh, uh, you know, uh, monitors this and makes sure that nothing bad happens with the products that, re that are released. Whereas here, uh, it's a little more free market. It's a little, you know, laissez-faire. So um, that's just sort of the that's sort of the way it goes here. That's that's our culture. Just so everybody's aware. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's just something that people have asked me about, and I was. I was thinking, I always go thinking back to what Lawrence says, which is like, dude, I've given that shit away 7,000 times already. And there, there's <laughs> nothing that I'm hiding. So it's like, yeah, all right, fine. I'll fucking install it. <laughs> you know, that sucks. Sometimes I wonder, this would be an interesting reality show, except actual reality. How subversive would you have to get on the internet before shit starts happening, you know? in regards to what you're saying or what you do or the websites you visit, I imagine it would all be pretty invisible up until the point where you start like actually communicating about like terroristic threats or something like that. Um, but I, I think like I, I kind of to your point about American culture, we're all, we all have the illusion that we're very protective of our privacy, um, despite where the laws are and, and what people voluntarily give away. I wonder if you were to go out and actively test that, like how private can I be? Uh, how how far down the line could you get? And like, could you actually buy like ammonia and fertilizer and stuff if you went through VPNs? We're, and stuff we're being like that? put on a watch list right now. <laughs> Maybe we are. I don't know. Right now. Yeah. Are we free or not? Uh, we'll see. I I wonder because like I don't think it's wrong to place value on privacy, but. Uh, I think it's like a certain amount, right? There's there's a threshold oh. where it becomes a danger to everyone if there isn't some kind of level of monitoring, right? I don't know that I'd argue that. It's more like I think everyone is under an illusion about how much privacy they have right now. And if they if they maybe were a little more aware of it, they might I don't know what they do because people don't vote anyway. So what does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess if people actually knew the degree to which they have no privacy, uh, they might do something, but no, they would, they wouldn't care until it's about a video game. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting, not that I'm not going to bring this up and talk about it, but, uh, Westworld season three is dealing with exactly this. Um, Ooh. and it's actually pretty good. It's way better than season two. Season two is oh, the worst, but, um, season three is dealing with exactly this. Uh, and it's really, it's really cool. It's a really interesting, um, what, what do you call that? Uh, dystopian future. 
that um, very well could be something that people are working on right now uh, and probably are. So, hey, be careful with that the data that you put out there on the internet. You know, yeah. just be be a little careful with it. Ah, the data I put out there is only going to allow entertainment products of the future to more fully customize themselves to me. <laughs> so I win in the end. <laughs> so they can advertise specifically large dildos for Boone. Yeah. <laughs> Look, <laughs> okay, maybe one time I got an Amazon ad on my stream for baddragon.com. It was because I was talking about it as a joke and they were monitoring me, okay? <laughs> Uh, you said listening. Yeah, joke is whatever. Yeah, sure, sure. It sure was a joke. Um, right. It definitely was. All right, and that's definitely why I deleted the VOD. <laughs> okay, it's definitely why. I don't know why you're you're digging into this. And, you know, once they once you delete that VOD, it's gone forever too. You realize that, right? It'll never be on the internet again, ever. Yeah, no one will ever quickly capture it and post it on YouTube, right? Never. I'm safe. I'll never do it. Okay, perfect. Uh, Did you accidentally hit that like subscription thing so you get a bad dragon dildo every month and you don't know how to do it? It's, what? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Every every single week, in fact, I get a new one. Uh, Fifty dollars down the drain. It's like the Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, of you get the loot, the loot box of dildos. Um. All right. We're starting to fill up my garage. I don't know where to put these things. Uh, we are we are at the end of a very very serious podcast that that didn't talk about dildos hardly hardly enough. So, yeah, weird. So yeah, um, yeah, that um, that was my bad. I I, I kind of brought the oh, that was great. Moment. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, but uh, but thanks again for joining me, uh, Boone. Especially thanks for filling in. Oh, no problem. I enjoyed being oh, here. Always, it's always good to talk to you. Uh, and I guess we will. Oh, YouTube. We will see you guys next week. Bye, YouTube. Bye, YouTube. Bye, YouTube.